it's a good way to kind of segue into what we've been talking about the last four weeks, and that is, what is your niche? And that's kind of the name of the series, but really, what we're really talking about is, what is your place in the kingdom of God? Did you know that you have one? Did you know that no matter where you've come from, what your background is, the mistakes you've made up until this point, the things that you've done well, the fact is, is that the God of the universe made you. The Bible says he, not only did he make you, but he made you fearfully and wonderfully, that you have a purpose for your life, a God-designed purpose for you specifically. And not only do you have a purpose for your life, but God actually wants you to take that and to do something with it in such a way that honors him, that he can still use you. And how we're talking about that in, in the context of this series is what is your niche? And we've been kind of using that as an acronym for the last four weeks to talk about the, the natural abilities that you have for in, the individuality you have, kind of your, your personality, the charisma gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives you, uh, your heart your passions that God has put in you, to not just have a passion for things, but the passion is actually what fuels you to do the things that God wants you to do. And today, we're talking about your experiences. And when you take all of those things and you pray them up and you, you lay them at the feet of God, you're going to find the purpose for your life. Do you believe that? It's, I believe it with my whole heart. And God doesn't want us just to float through life. He has a specific purpose for your life. He says that you're His masterpiece. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you say that to yourself when you woke up this morning and looked at yourself in the mirror? Some of you did. Some of you forgot to. Uh, some of you said, "Let me give me 15 minutes for me to put my hair where it's supposed to be, then I'll look at myself and say I'm a masterpiece of God. But the fact is that you are a masterpiece made from God. And today we're going to talk about our experiences, the things that seem good, the things that seem bad, the things that seem joyful, the things that, that seem very painful, that the fact that God uses all of the experience that we've had up until this point, even the very things that we're going through, um, to wrap them up in such a way that he can use us to help other people, that he can use us to, to, to not just be him heal us, but to actually use us to help others who may be going through the same things. Um, have you ever heard people that see things they're going through and it's bad and they say, well, the devil must be attacking me, or that person over there, it's all their fault, they must be doing something bad to me? And sometimes I think we forget that if you are a Christian, in other words, if you have have said, I am going to follow Jesus Christ, I am going to, to put my life in his hands, then whatever happens to you, you're not a leaf blowing in the wind, whatever happens to you, he's either the author of it or it's passing through his hands and he's allowing it. That you are a, a child of the living God, putting your trust in him, and he ultimately has sovereignty in your life. The scripture that I want to kind of start with to kind of set this this up is Romans 8.28. You've heard me quote it. You've probably quoted it. You may have read it. This, this is what it says. Let's read it together. And we know, and I think we need to start right there. He's not saying we wish, we hope. This is something that might happen. He's saying we know this to be true. We know that God causes everything. So I just want you to, to sum up the experiences that you've had in your life to this point and know that God causes all of them to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, what I think we're all called, right? I say I think. We are. We're all called by God. The Bible says we're his masterpiece. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, all to do the good work 
of God. He's called you. You have a purpose for your life, but he says he causes all your experiences to work for good for those that love him. It doesn't take long in any relationship to realize that love is more than a feeling, isn't it? It's more than just something that you get sitting right here. Love is an action. It's a word. It's a verb. And when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, we I'm not going to go into it, but we get a, an in-depth look at what love really is. It does something. It gives. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. If you love me, you'll obey my teachings. If you love me, you'll follow me. And so are we really following Jesus Christ? Because the, the fact is, is that we live in this, in this really hard world where lots of bad things happen. But if, if we're really going to believe this verse that says God's taking all of it, the good and the bad, and he's weaving it into a pattern for our good, then we have to, we have to agree and cooperate with this system, right? That we actually love God, that we follow him, that we lay our lives down for him as he did for us. And when we do, we can, we can know with absolute certainty that everything that we go through, God is weaving together into a pattern for our good. And so I want to talk about, for the, for the first little bit of this, how, how to cooperate with that. How do I take the experiences that I have that God has allowed in my life or he's authoring them, and how do I cooperate with this system so that I know that everything that happens to me, God is using for my good? I, I want to talk about three things specifically. And the first thing is this. When it comes to your experiences and your circumstances in life, embrace every experience. If you want to know that God is weaving these experiences that you have into a pattern for your good, then learn to embrace every single one. If, if, he, if, he, if he weaves all this into a pattern for our good, then we can't choose which ones we want and don't want. Because he said they all. To embrace every experience means you have to value every experience. You don't have to condone every experience or necessarily like every experience, but you have to get to a place where you say, you know what, God is He's this great orchestrator that's going to use this. Now, I need you to understand that God is not some master that's sitting back with this whole, uh, you know, bucket full of bad experiences and good, and he's just throwing them into your life at random. The fact is, is he's not the author of pain. God isn't the author of, of hurt and, and sin. The fact is, is we live in a sin-cursed world, and the, the epitome of that is selfishness, and we all make mistakes, and, and sin hurts people. Sin hurts us. Sin hurts people that we love. Uh, thank God for His grace and His mercy that forgives us. But, but guys, sin still hurts. We still get hurt. God isn't the author of that. But in His sovereignty, in only a way that He can, He takes it and He weaves it into a pattern for our good. When we trust Him enough to love Him and to live for Him. And, and that's when the experiences aren't just bad and good experiences. That's when the experience actually make us better. The good ones, the bad ones, the shameful ones, the happy ones, sad ones, every single one of them, and some of them hurt pretty bad, but we can embrace them knowing that God is going to get us through it, and he's not going to let us go through it in vain. Rick Warren is a pastor and author out on the West Coast. Someone asked him one time, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it differently? And his immediate answer was, no, absolutely not. There was been, there's been lots of mistakes, but God has used every single one of them and made me who I am. He's understanding a, a very important principle that I'm telling you today is that God works it all into a pattern for our good, and that none of it, none of it's in vain. Galatians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul's talking to a group, the church, about their experiences, and he asks them this question. I want to ask you, have you experienced so much for nothing? Was it in vain, was it? 
Surely it wasn't in vain. And, and I love that question. Was it? God never wastes a hurt. He doesn't want you to waste the hurt either. You didn't go through what you did for nothing. The problem, I think, with a lot of us is that we go through pain and we deny our pasts because we don't like it or, or we, we try to ignore it or we discount it or we regret our past and we live in regret or we resent our past. Or I think sometimes this is probably the most dangerous. We try to revise our pasts. We try to rewrite our past. We, so we make up little stories to make it sound better than it really is, to somehow sort of put on a front. Listen, God can't work your past into a pattern for good if you're not going to own it, if you're living in denial about it. God wants to use it. He wants to use all of it, but we have to stop running from our past first. It's hard, isn't it? Believe in faith that God is in control, and He will not let you be ashamed if you trust Him, if you embrace every experience. Guys, and I know we've had some bad experiences, haven't we, in life? I mean, gosh, if I, I, I say this sometimes, if I were to pass the mic around or invite you up and let's talk about some of the hardships we're facing, we'd all sit here and cry together for hours and hours, maybe days, because life's hard and, and we've experienced some hardships. But you know what? God is bigger than the good and the bad. He's bigger than every single bit of it. And, and he's amazing at weaving our experiences together for good when you learn to trust God by embracing every experience. That's when you're positioned to do the next thing. Number two is that's learn from every experience. Learn from every experience. You, what happens when you embrace somebody? You get close to them, don't you? Kind of start to get closer than maybe you were before. Your head kind of gets really close to their head, and you start to smell their hair, and you start to realize what kind of shampoo they use, but you don't tell them because that would just be weird. But you just start, you start noticing some things. Oh, wow, their ear on the left is really bigger than the one on the right. I never noticed that until I got this close. Whenever you embrace something, you get really close, and you actually open up yourself to learn something about someone. And it's the same with your experiences. When you open up and when you embrace the experience, you get close enough to actually learn from it. I want to hone in on that Galatians 3, 4 verse again, specifically the last part. But Paul asks, and I'll ask you again, have you experienced so much for nothing? Here's the part I want you to hear. Surely it was not in vain, was it? Was it? It's this question that he's wanting you to contemplate. It's this, these two words that I think is a, a bigger part of this verse because a lot of times we, we run from the experience, but he's actually asking you to consider. It wasn't in vain. Pause. Was it? I mean, he's, he, he's asking you to sit there and, and, and listen to yourself think. Was it really in vain? Contemplate what you've just been through. Really examine this for just a minute. Why does he say that? Well, when you examine something, you learn something. When you get close enough to something and stop and examine it, you, you can actually learn. Have you ever seen a dragonfly? Any of you grow up around here or somewhere where you dragonflies all through the summer, they got the big wings and kind of the long body. Everyone's seen a dragonfly, but have you ever stopped and examined one up close? Let me show you a picture real quick. Show, show, show the picture. You had no idea they were smiling at you. You, right before they bite you, you know, they're just going to grin really big. I feel like he needs a name, you know, he just has that face. But you had no idea that a dragonfly looked like that up close. But when you examine it closely, you actually learn something that you didn't know. How, have you ever seen a, a snowfall? 
How many of you grew up in the north where, like, you hate snow? Like, literally, that's why you moved here. Lots of hands going up. Snow is not uh, something that you like. So have, if, if you've ever seen a, a beautiful snowfall, I've got a picture of a, of a beautiful snowfall, but maybe for some of you, uh, that's not what you think of when you think of snow. That's real nice and Christmassy, isn't it? But when you think of snow, you think about the chore of shoveling snow, or you think about the when snow kind of melts and then refreezes and it's dirty and you're driving down the road. But have you ever stopped and looked at what a snowflake looks like up close? There's this photographer that magnifies snowflakes, and if, I, I want to show you a few right here. I mean, this is so awesome when you think about the symmetry and the beauty of just what a small snowflake looks like, but you never see that when you're looking at the whole. But when you stop and actually open up yourself to examine it, you see something more beautiful. I've got a couple more pictures. I just want you to see the, the diversity of what these individual snowflakes look like. I, I really love the next one. It's kind of like a family, you know what I mean? They're all kind of stuck together. Never would you have thought that that's what a snowflake looks like up close. But when you stop and examine it, you begin to realize that nothing is ever what it seems like at a glance. There is so much more to see if you'll stop and if you'll look. And the same is true of your experiences. When you examine them, when you stop and listen to yourself and to God and think about what you've been through and, and, and really maybe do some self-evaluation, you'll learn something from them. And you'll learn from your experiences. When, when you do this, they become more than something that just happened to you. They become a part of your growth when you learn from them. And, and this is the most important part. That's when God begins to use you. Who cares if you've just been through something and survived it? Did you change as a person? Did, did you let God into you and let him heal you maybe in certain ways? Or, or maybe even the good things that you went through. Did you let God walk with you through those things to where when you got on the, on the other side of it, you actually learned? Because it's not, now it's not just something that happened to me. It's a part of my growth. And that's the moment that God begins to use me. Let's get real. What you've been through is important because it's part of your journey. So make it count for something. Learn from it. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says this to the church. He says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves. That means stop and look, and yeah, it's uncomfortable sometimes. We got to stop and look at ourselves and say, "Who am I? Am I? Am, did I really? Am I really learning from this, or am I just becoming bitter?" But listen to why he says, "Do it to see whether you're holding to your faith." He actually says that you know it's possible to go through something that hurts so bad you never learn from it, and your life begins to produce no fruit, and it's real easy to walk on and put on fronts. But he's saying, you know what, the only way you can really truly understand if coming through this is actually allowing you to have more faith in Jesus Christ is to stop and examine yourself. And I love what he, what he says, to, to, to see if you're holding to the faith and showing the proper fruit from it. In other words, there is growth that God wants to put and, and, and come out of your life having been through every experience that you go through. And he's saying, stop and evaluate, stop and examine yourself. Test and prove yourself. Notice how he doesn't say, test somebody else. Test the person that hurt you. Test the person that seems to be dragging your life down. He doesn't even say, test and approve Christ right here. Jesus, God, he's saying, focus on yourself. That's when you position yourself to be able to know, am I really learning from this? Let's go a little bit deeper just to make things a little more uncomfortable. Let's talk about failure. 
failure. We, we hate failure. Failure hurts. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. Nobody likes to fail. And when we fail, we typically run from the pain of failure. Nobody, I mean, think about at work. You blew it. You said something stupid in a meeting, and your boss chewed you out in front of everybody. You want to dig a hole and go some. I think an airline really capitalized on that. They, you want to get away? And then they, buy a plane ticket. Go anywhere you want. We want to get away from failure. That's just what we do. But what if we asked ourselves that Galatians 3, 4 question? To every, was this really in vain? Was it? I mean, I, I, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm doing the very best I can, but I fail because I'm human at best. But what if I stopped and didn't run from the pain, but I asked myself the question, was, was this really in vain? Can God really use this? And then mentally stay in that failure just long enough, and that means feeling the pain of it, but staying in that failure long enough to actually learn what happened. John Maxwell, famous leader and teacher, says that this is actually the difference between successful and unsuccessful people. That unsuccessful people take failure personally. They look at failure and and it's, I failed. I can't believe I did that. I'm a moron. No one's ever going to be able to forgive me. And they beat themselves up and the the pain of that just just multiplies and they, they they just want to get out of there. Mentally and in their mind and in their heart, they just they run from failure. And so when they do, they, they don't stay there long enough to learn what happened. So they just repeat the failure over again. And it's like this ugly cycle that keeps coming back over and over. Successful people, on the other hand, and he uses unsuccessful and successful, but you understand what I'm saying. Successful people, they fail, and they don't look at it personally. They just look at it and go, well, that didn't work. Whoops. And then they stay there. They feel the pain of that failure long enough to look at it, examine it, to figure out, what did I do that I shouldn't do again? But because they're not taking it personally, they can actually sit there and endure the pain of it for a moment. But what happens is, is they leave that, and they know, they know what they did wrong. They've examined themselves. They understand the proper fruit that needs to come out of it, and they don't repeat the failure again. That's the difference. But the, the thing is, is, you have to be willing to feel the pain long enough to learn from what happened. Are you learning from your experiences? Or are you running from them? Aldous Huxley, which is a, an author, said this, experience is not what happens to a man or a woman. It's what a man or a woman does with what happens to them. And I would add, in order for God to use that as part of your purpose, use your experiences as part of your purpose, you have to learn from them. So don't just endure life Learn from it. An unexamined experience is worthless. But what would happen if we were to examine ourselves and actually learn from it? God can use your experiences. Say number three, concentrate on why you're here. Concentrate on why you're here. Do you know God never wastes an experience? And when you're going through tough times, sometimes you just have to, you you know what? I I don't know why I'm going through this, but I do know this. God is going to use it. And not just for me, but he's going to use it for somebody else. Because contrary to popular belief, God doesn't want to bring us through just for our own happiness. But God is actually wanting to use us and heal us in order to reach the multitudes for him. People in your lives, your own family. And and, and so sometimes going through the pain of experiences or going through the joys of experiences, we just have to remember, we have to concentrate on the, the fact of why we're actually here. He wants to show others who he is through your experiences. He, he wants to use what you go through to show other people and how you handle it 
who he is. And that can be tough to think about, especially when you're feeling the pain of life. But as you walk through life, part of maturity is realizing that the purpose of life is far greater than your own happiness. That God is using your life to reach other people for him. That's why you're here. And, and sometimes we just got to focus on that. When we don't have any of the answers, we don't know why things are happening, and, and things seem the worst, we got to focus on the fact that, you know what, I'm not here for myself, but I'm here for something far greater. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. I'm God's masterpiece, and God has his eyes on me, and he's going to use me. I, I look at Paul, the apostle in the New Testament. He's writing to the Philippian church, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, and, and he says, keep in mind, he's in prison while he's writing this. He said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Well, what in the world happened to him? Well, let me just give you a few things. He was beaten for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, people ran him out of town. One time they even stoned him. He passed out. They thought he was dead. They drug him out of town. He revived while he was out there, stood back up, and went back to it. Uh, this is a guy who was arrested. He was, uh, one time he was in chains on a ship, uh, and his, the ship was shipwrecked, and he sat out in, in the open ocean. When they finally reached a, an island, um, he got bit by a poisonous snake. Survived that miraculously. Thrown in prison again. Chained to a guard 24-7. And he's going on to say, hey, God's really using this stuff. People are coming to a saving knowledge of who he is by what they're watching happen to me. Even the guards are coming to Christ, he's telling them. He said that there's even some reports that members of Caesar's household, like the great poobah of authority over the whole land, some members of his household, they're even coming to a saving knowledge. They're putting their faith in Jesus Christ because of some of the things that are happening to me. Praise God. And sometimes I think we, we stub our toe the wrong way in the morning and we think God hates us and Satan's on our back. And here's a guy who's literally his life is on the line. And he's saying, you know what? I'm not going through this for nothing. God is using this to advance the gospel of him, of, him, of his son. And do you think Paul liked the experiences that he was going through? I mean, do you think he enjoyed them humanly? No. But he obviously embraced them. He obviously learned from them. He obviously concentrated on the fact that God was using him to accomplish something far greater than his temporal comfort. And the result was this, this deep-seated joy for Paul. He said, I know God is using me. In one part of the scriptures, he said, my outward body, it's wasting away. Oh, but there's something on the inside of me that's being renewed every single day. There's this deep-seated joy on the inside of me. And God wants to do the same thing for you, even though outwardly, maybe emotionally or even physically, you're hurting and you're in pain. He's saying, but there's, there's a, a peace that passes every bit of worldly understanding. And God can renew your heart, renew your strength, and renew your spirit, even as you go through the difficulty of the experience. Deep-seated joy. God promises for you. When you love him, follow him, and trust him. Another result was hope was unleashed to all the world. And here we are, 2,000 years later, experiencing that and learning from Paul so that we can do the same thing. Did you know that when Paul wrote this, he was in jail writing what would be known as a lot of the New Testament letters that we get today in the Bible? Did he have a clue that it would have that kind of impact, that here we would be? No, I don't think so. But God 
wants to use your experiences. He wants, he used Paul's. He wants to use yours. Good, bad, happy, painful experiences that leave you flying high. Experiences that leave you laying on the floor, literally wanting to die. God is there. And if God can take stories of cancer and use somebody to help encourage other people going through it, then he can use your experiences. If he can take somebody who was sexually abused and walk them on a path of healing in such a way that other people begin to find hope through their story, then he can use your experiences, your stories of brokenness, and he can weave it into a pattern for good. If we'll embrace the circumstance, even when we don't understand it, and learn from the experience, even when we don't know where to start, and concentrate on the fact that I'm not here primarily for me, but I'm here to serve God and his purposes for my life. I know that God is working all things into a pattern for my good. And, and that's really what this series has been about. Niche, finding your niche, finding your place in the kingdom of God. Today we've talked specifically about your experiences, but I want to talk about just for a moment your natural abilities, your heart, your, your personality, the spiritual gifts that God has given you, and the experience that you have, and, and you wrap those all together. What do I do with those? Can I give you three things real fast to do with those? And, and this, is, this is biblical. This is godly. You, you need to be doing this. One, you need to motivate others. Take what you have and motivate other people with them. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11, Paul tells the church, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. In fact, just as you're doing. There's no question what we're called to do. Take what we have, take what, we, what we've been given, and encourage other people and build each other up. And, and you guys do that so well. I'm so grateful for the, 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 the masses of you that call yourselves the Bridge Church that build each other up. Keep up the good work. You're doing such a good thing, and maybe you're here and you're new and, and you've experienced some of that joy of being encouraged. I encourage you to give it away. This is more than just a pass-it-forward cliche. This is, you know what, you've received something. So take it and turn and, and build somebody else up. Commit yourself to motivate somebody else. And, and I think sometimes we need more than just surface-level encouragement. We need sometimes, we need specific encouragement. How many of you have a situation you're going through, and it's specific to you, and you need specific encouragement? I, I don't just need someone to, to kind of whitewash my problem. I need someone to speak to me and encourage me. Uh, I, I, it's like riding a roller coaster. A few weeks ago, we were on a, uh, a trip with our family and on a roller coaster with my boys. And my 12-year-old, it was the first time he'd ever ridden a roller coaster. And we're on there, and I'm trying to encourage him, and we're going up that first hill, and he's starting to freak out and panic. And somebody in front of him turns around and says, oh, don't worry about it. This is going to be great. I've ridden it so many times, and, and you're going to have a blast. It's so much fun. And uh, the anxiety was still there a little bit, but the, the fear went away. And he was excited a little bit by what was getting ready to happen. And, and thank God for that person in front of us because as his dad, all I had was, just pretend you're on a cool ride, you know. And he looked at me like, what? We are on a ride. And I'm like, you know, just, I don't It's like one time. So you have a few chances, Ryan, in this life to speak life into your kids, and that's what you came up with. F fail. I see first-time moms come in here, and, and they've got their babies, and they feel like failures. They're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. My, my baby won't stop crying. I think, feel like I'm a bad mom. And I watch you moms surround and say, you know what? I remember when my water broke. Or I, I remember when I couldn't sleep through the night, and I felt like that too. But you know what? You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Sometimes they just they don't stop crying, and that's, that's okay. And I watch the eyebrows on the, the new mom kind of soften. Really? Is it really going to be okay? And it's this specific encouragement. It's this specific 
motivation that you give, the more you have embraced and learned and focused and processed your own experiences, the more you can motivate other people. And so I encourage you, what are you doing with your experiences? So you got to motivate. Second, you got to mentor others. That's a little bit deeper. Mentor other people. Two ways you can learn. You learn from your own experiences and you learn from the experience of others. Paul in Acts chapter 22, we, we read about this powerhouse of an evangelist. And we read about where he got his training. Somebody actually poured into Paul. We don't think about that very often. We think about learning from Paul. But he said, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus, the city of Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. And as his student, this is Paul. He's a student now. I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just as all of you are today. That was a big religious kind of part that he got. But whenever he accepted Jesus Christ, those two things came together. Grace and all this stuff that he knew about God's word came together. Powerful, powerful. Other mentors in Paul's life. You read in the book of Acts, Ananias and James. He understood the importance of learning from other people. And then later on in time, he got to the place where he told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he became the mentor. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He told Titus, you know, the, the, chapter 2, the, there's older women and younger women in your church. They're in Crete. It, it, teach them to, to be examples to the younger men and the younger women. you got to mentor people. The story I told you last week about the girl who was sexually abused from childhood, and now she's speaking at conferences all over the place, helping battered women, and, and she says this, now I just want to help women who are being abused. I want to help them know that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Mentoring other people. I, I don't know. I'm here to challenge you too. Are you positioning yourself that your experiences can actually help mentor other people? Or are you putting yourself in a position to learn from your experiences, to feel the pain of them in such a way that you allow God to heal you? Or are you embracing them or are you running the other direction? Because you're, the whole point of you being on this earth, you're not just here to breathe in air and make it through. God wants to take what you go through and weave it into a pattern for good. But if you run from it, if you run from the pain of it, how can he use that? He, he's not going to use that. But when you begin to heal and learn, oh, you become a powerful tool for God to use. Are you positioning yourself to let your experiences mentor others? You've got to motivate other people with what you have. Mentor other people. And really, here's the bottom line. Number three, minister to others. Minister to others. Well, this is all kind of ministering, isn't it? But the, the, here's the bottom line about ministry. Ministry is this. Ministry is serving other people. It's humbling yourself and lowering yourself to serve. I, I love the words Paul used when he said that, you know what, we should consider ourselves like Jesus Christ. He was, he was God himself, but yet he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead, he made himself low, a servant, and he served. He didn't come to, to be served. He came to serve. He says, be like that. And so we begin to understand that our life isn't about us, but we, we minister to other people. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he's worshiping God right in the midst of his trial. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Here's, listen to these three words. So that we... Praise be to God who gives, he comforts us in the midst of all of our troubles. 
He could have stopped right there, and we'd say, yes, let's get fat and happy and joyful in the kingdom of God. But he doesn't stop there. He says he does that so that we, he connects it to something, so that we what? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort that we ourselves have received from God. He's saying that the purpose of the comfort that God gives you, yes, is I think there's joy, and there's the whole getting fat and happy thing, right? But he says it's more than just that. If you blow up a balloon and you never stop and the balloon never releases any air, it's going to pop. You were made kind of like that. You were made to receive that joy, receive that love, receive that comfort so that you could turn around and you could give it away. And that's really the, the main message behind the niche series it is to not just float through life, just trying to endure it and trying to make it through and receive, receive, receive. But the, the main message is, you know what? You've got a purpose here that God actually wants to use you for his kingdom, that you actually have something on the inside of you that God wants to develop and move. And, and, and to, to as you walk through this life, actually look at the people around you and have something to offer. It's God that's going to empower that. Are you positioning yourself with your experiences for God to use you in that way? You, you're the most fulfilled when you're serving. It's just the way God made you. you. You find lots of joy doing other things, but you are the most fulfilled on a spiritual, deep level, the real part of who you are when you're giving yourself up and you're serving. That's the way God intended it. And we get so masked by other things that are in our scope of vision, and we, we kind of run after the shiny things that make us feel better, the bigger car, the big, nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But that has to be secondary to you becoming like Jesus Christ and lowering yourself and serving. And you know, during this series, I, my goal, my hope is that you'll grasp this and say, you know what, God has made me for a reason and I want to find out what that is. And, and if that journey takes you overseas as a missionary or somewhere else in Wayne County or, or maybe you're in the military and you PCS to another state and God uses you there, same way maybe some of you have PCS here, Wherever that happens to be, my, my prayer and my hope is that you'll begin to realize that God has a purpose for your life, and He intends for you while you're here on this earth to use it, to walk in it, to trust Him, to love Him, and to pour out wherever you are. Now, I, I want to say this too, guys, for some of you, you've been here a while, and you're like, where do I start? Well, I, I want to give you some, some opportunities to serve right here at the church that you're in. There, there's so many opportunities to serve right here. We have serve teams, and, and maybe that's part of your next step. I, I need to pour out somewhere. The, and some of them you have to kind of be gifted in certain areas, and other ones you just have to be willing. I, opportunities that you wouldn't even maybe even understand unless you, you sought it out and tried to learn. We have a table out here in the lobby when you walk out today. It, we're calling it our niche table just because that's the name of the series, but there's, there's opportunities to serve. There's some frequently asked question sheets you can grab and try to figure out maybe some information about these, these areas. There, there's a guy named Scott who weeks ago said, hey, I'm an organized person. I have the gift of administration. How can I help? You know what he does at our church? He makes sure that all the supplies that are needed for church services are here. He, he's a, he does it at his job. He's somebody that, that is, is gifted in that area, and he said, use me. He's a volunteer. So he, he created this order form, and all of our leaders that need stuff, all the, the seat backs in front of you, all the little paper materials that are there. When we take communion in a few weeks on Christmas Eve, uh, the, they're going to be here because of Scott. And that's just supplies. How does that amount to anything? Well, when I sit here in a minute and say, if you've got a prayer request, I want you to take that Connect card and fill it out. 
and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going through something really tough. I want this church to pray for me. And you can know and have faith that we're going to be praying for you. But there's a guy named Scott that said, I want to volunteer my time, and I want to make sure that these Connect cards are in the seats so that when people come, they can have a, an experience right here at the service that actually means something. A volunteer opportunity just like that. It could be something on, on a stage. It could be something behind the scenes. But I just want you to know there are so many opportunities for you to serve. We have something called bridge groups here at this church. That's another opportunity to serve. Right now, we need bridge group leaders. There, there's the, the, the heart beat behind this church. My heart beat for this church, and I believe it's, it's the Lord's, is for us not to just come into this church service and say, this is it, but we're actually doing life with each other outside these four walls. And there are some of you who have stepped up to say, hey, I want to be a bridge group leader. I applaud you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for stepping up. I, I do. Others of you in the room, your spiritual parents and spiritual adults, we need you to help. Could, could that be where your next step is, is helping other people find relationships in this church by facilitating a small group of people? That's important. You can sign up out there. We can give you all the tools that you need to be successful. Uh, there's outreach that we do here. These are just three kind of big bullet points. But outreach, we, we served almost three, over 300 military men and women and retirees Thanksgiving on base. How many of you were a part of that? Some of you in the room, Luke Sanders and Cassie Sanders, they helped ramrod that. He's our, our outreach director. Uh, between that and helping the homeless, there's, there's so many things and areas that you can get involved right here at the Bridge Church. And, and I just want you to know that as you do that, you're taking one step in finding out God's purpose for your life. But I can promise you, anytime you give of yourself, you're becoming an example of Jesus Christ to somebody. Don't take that for granted. Don't overlook that step. Whether it's buying somebody a cup of coffee or picking up trash at the office floor that nobody else wants to pick up or just serving somebody in a small way or a seemingly big way, God sees it and it's important. Would you consider serving? Would you consider doing something here at the Bridge Church? I, I want you to know that everything that we do here uh, we do it for the glory of God, and we do it so that other people can see Jesus Christ. And we always want to point, whatever you do, to life change that's happening. Can I pray for you before we go? I, I believe with my whole heart that this series is not just about getting some people to do some things, but this is about realizing that the God of the universe has called us and that this life is going to be over. At some point, statistics say that no one gets out alive. <laughs> that we, life, this life, as we know it, will be over at some point. And we're actually going to stand before a holy God. That we're, we're actually going to stand before him one day. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to stand before him. And I want to be able to say, God, I, I made some mistakes. I'm thanking you for Jesus Christ and his mercy and grace in my life. But I did everything I could. I gave of myself when you called me. I, my life's purpose was to, to seek you out and to serve and, and to find that purpose for my life using all the experiences that you have. Do, do you want to stand before him one day and be able to say that? More so than just serving in a certain place here, find your purpose. Know that you have one and seek it out with your whole heart. That's so much more than just a, a fancy name of a series. God, we're here before you, and God, it, it baffles me sometimes to think of how big you really are. 
The, the, the fact that our sun is, is one star in, of 200 billion stars in our galaxy alone. I mean, the sun from us is 95 million miles away, and that's one star of 200 billion stars. And that's just in our galaxy, and there's two trillion other galaxies. Far be it from us to try to do something good and check off a box to say, oh, aren't we something? Lord, we, we're here and we're humbled at the fact that you would even call us to know our name. But you love us. And Lord, I, I pray, the Holy Spirit, right now, as we are here before you, that you would break our hearts for you. That you, we would find a fresh glimpse of what you'd have us to do in this life and the fact that we have a purpose ordained and called upon by the Almighty God. Give us fresh glimpses of that, God. In Jesus' name I pray. I'm grateful, Lord, for what you're doing in our church and in the people here. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen together?